Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another show of the beginner's mind, uh, wherein we follow the Zen philosophy of putting aside everything that you know and being a beginner once again. Even if you are an expert in your field, that's the whole philosophy behind this interview series, wherein I invite experts. <coughs> from different fields, from different parts of the world, who've had different career trajectories, we invite them in to hear from them so we can suspend our judgment and learn from them. And our guest today is the MD of Strategy for Accenture, Mr. Vikrant Vinayak. Please welcome him with a virtual round of applause. Thank you, Vikrant, for taking out the time to join us for this conversation today. I'll briefly introduce you. To, um, I'll br briefly introduce you to the audience. You're a regular speaker at tech, big data, and AI conferences in North America, but that is not going to be the subject of our discussion today. <laughs> you are a leader in the high tech industry, of course, the MD at Accenture Strategy for North America, with over 18 years of experience in strategic cost reduction. Areas of expertise include uh, zero-based methodology, robotic process automation, digital transformation blockchain and AI and um, apart from excelling in technology Vikrant is also deeply passionately committed to developing people mentoring and coaching and I believe this is what has drawn you to this conversation here today he's been a trusted advisor to C-suite clients and coached more than 300 executives in driving and managing successful transform transformations he's an avid runner and a biker who loves people and technology and believes in going the extra mile especially when it comes to nurturing and developing leaders for the future um, how are things um, Vikram thank you for joining and how things in Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, Simmer, first of all, thank you for uh, inviting me uh, to uh, this uh, forum. And uh, things are uh, pretty good. Uh, we are starting to feel a sense of uh, normalcy a little bit. Uh -huh. uh, vaccination is going really good. Uh, things are picked up. Uh, me and uh, my uh, family are vaccinated. So, uh, knock on wood, very fortunate about that. Uh, but my heart goes out to my family in India. Uh, I know things in India are not that good. How are things there in Jalandhar? Well, 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 um, um, not good at the moment. That's all I can say. And I can say a silent prayer as we start this conversation today. I can say a silent prayer. We can say a silent prayer together for everyone who's suffering uh, right now through these very difficult circumstances. It's not only COVID-19. It's also been the additional burden on the healthcare system, which is um, not proved sufficient for the needs of the people at the moment. Lack of oxygen lack of beds so um, uh, very difficult times uh, for a lot of people that I know personally our heart goes out to them and we see a silent player for the recovery we will bounce back I believe we will bounce back this too shall over, shall be over soon it'll be behind us and I've always believed Vikram uh, that the uh, darkest hour of the night is always before dawn so dawn is just around the corner and we just gotta hang in there and uh, be strong thank you um, and um, Vikrant, you're an expert in AI and big data and, you know, all these future trends. Tell us, are robots going to take our jobs anytime soon? <laughs> you know, uh, that is what I hear from many people, uh, that robots are going to take our jobs soon. Uh, my perspective is that as humans, we need to be focusing more on ingenuity, innovation and creativity. Wow. And some of the mundane work, we need to mm -hmm. let the robots do that. And that's where I believe uh, the world is headed, where we have more time for ourselves. We have more time to think, create, and innovate, and automate some of the things that are very mundane in our day-to-day -day life. 
Well, that makes a lot of sense, and I believe that's been the um, the course that human evolution has followed over the last several thousand years. Every time we'd come up with something breakthrough, and first of all, we've been threatened by it. Uh, electricity, for example, internet then, and space travel, and so on. We've been threatened by that new breakthrough discovery at first uh, because it challenges the status quo, and then we discovered as we went along, aha, this frees up uh, our time from uh, what um, automation experts call the 3Ds, the dull, dirty, and dangerous jobs, so that machines mm -hmm. can do it. So we human beings, as you rightly said, can focus on creativity, innovation, ingenuity, and so many other things that you're talking about. So um, it comes to me, you're right at the top of the um, high-tech industry, you know, blockchain, uh, AI, automation, you're consulting leaders on business transformation. Um, Accenture is in the business of improving businesses, other businesses for, for the better. And you, But also there's a huge focus um, f from your side on good old-fashioned people-centric uh, coaching and mentoring and people development. Talk to us about your love for technology and love for people. Yeah, no, uh, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question uh, because I believe uh, the human ingenuity and technology are so intertwined right now because technology is in everything we do in our life. You know, mm -hmm. from the moment we wake up, uh, the first thing we grab is our phones. Mm -hmm. You know, we scan phones for messages, we scan for phones for news, we are staying connected. Uh, there are pros and cons to that. So my love for uh, technology and uh, human ingenuity is what uh, kind of I feel the intersection that I operate today in high tech is, you know, of both. Mm -hmm. Because I work with clients who are looking to take that human ingenuity to the next level, either through their products or serving uh, their customers. And it's the people in these organizations that actually enable that technology right. uh, forefront. So that's uh, that's what I what I feel. Uh, you know, I feel this is where uh, us as leaders have to act very different. Uh, right. The world we are in, we have to be very empathetic mm -hmm. because we won't respect you if you're not empathetic. True. We need True. to show courage, courage to make decision, decisions mm -hmm. for our people, courage right. to adopt the new technology, the courage to go. Uh, you know, as Star Trek used to say, to go to the frontiers that no man has gone before. Absolutely. Courage to go to those frontiers. You know, well, what Elon Musk is trying to do, that. and I think uh, th their team deserves um, a huge round of applause at SpaceX. Um, I think well, yesterday was the first successful test landing of the Starship, they call it. Uh, the this huge rocket that's, uh, that is supposedly going to make human beings a multi-planetary species, going, going to take us to Mars, right? <laughs> that, that is correct. That is correct. And, you know, uh, Tesla and SpaceX and uh, the Boring Company... I mm -hmm. think they are continuing to push the new frontiers. Uh, as I call, I'm a proud owner of a Tesla, and I enjoy mm. the vehicle very much. I I'm like jealous now. <laughs> right. And, uh, so. <laughs> no, fantastic. Now, since you mentioned a lot about leadership, a lot of people development, and also allowing human ingen ingenuity and innovation and creativity to flourish, what do you think are the top factors as you work with so many organizations? What do you feel are the top factors that allow creativity and innovation to flourish in an organization or that sort of uh, suppress it? What do great leaders do in order to bring ideas to the front very quickly and execute them? And what do mediocre leaders do to ignore powerful ideas? Because every idea, every every organization, I believe, has wonderful ideas. There's people, all, especially at the grassroots level, all the time their mind is coming up with things, how they can improve the organization and improve their day-to-day -day life. But I believe the culture has a huge role to play. Would you speak to us about that, please? 
Absolutely. And it all starts with the culture. Uh, uh-huh. The culture, you know, there is a, a, a phrase used, uh, fail fast. So mm. the culture should be fail fast culture where you are giving people an opportunity to try something right. and either succeed or fail. But failure uh-huh. does not mean that you have failed. Failure means that now you're going to try a different way to right. do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And as you asked me about the leaders, you know, I talked about, uh, you know, courage. I talked about empathy. You know, I think we also have to lead by example because they, they take for example, you know, fail fast. As mm-hmm. leaders, if we don't show to our, uh, you know, people, our, our organization that we believe in and we are acting uh, in that manner, mm-hmm. then we are taking the risk and we don't mind failing and doing it again, right. people will follow us. Mm-hmm. And we need to be sincere in that effort. We need to have the passion for that. Mm-hmm. And cultures there you don't see, you know, sincerity, passion, empathy, leading by example, that's where those are the cultures where you actually see that uh, you know companies don't thrive. Right. Another key thing in this environment is empowerment. Mm-hmm. As a leader, you must be very comfortable that mm. your team is going to get the spotlight. Right. And actually, uh, I always identify whenever I take on a new role. Uh, I've reinvented myself every few years at Accenture. I've been here fourteen mm. and a half years. That's great. Your uh, team's reinvention and transformation. <laughs> Right. That's right. That is mm-hmm. right. Um, mm-hmm. It's personal reinvention, uh, you know, goes hand- with that uh, reinvention of the of the business. It should. So right. I always identify my potential replacement whenever I take on a new role or a new team. Wow. wow. Because that takes courage. That takes that courage. Exactly. And that allows me to have a set of people I can mentor mm-hmm. and set them up to succeed when I move on to something new. And I think that's another element that leaders need to exhibit uh, to make sure that uh, you know their job is successful. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. There's two things that come to my mind to add on to what you're saying here. Uh, one is the Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu who said, uh, if you want to succeed for a year, grow crops. If you want to succeed for 20 years, grow trees. You want to succeed for 100 years, grow people. And I think the third thing, because it's so long term, growing people because it's so long term, so out there, we cannot see the results of it immediately. A lot of corporations, societies, companies, families, homes, we overlook that. We sort of ignore it. We go for what gives us an immediate benefit. Okay, let's do this today. Let's increase profits. Let's do this. Let's do that. But we forget, we overlook that at the core of all human development is people, right? So machines, um, there's a lot going on about machine learning and AI and so many other things. But I still believe um, it's human innovation and human creativity who's going to put these machines to work and achieve breakthroughs for some of the major problems that we're facing today. And also, I love what you spoke about empathy. I think Stanford's design school, uh, when they talk about the, uh, the D school in Stanford, when they talk about the design thinking, at the heart of design thinking is empathy. Do you care about who is going to use this and what is the experience of that individual? And empathy changes everything. Thank you for bringing those. Uh, valuable additions um, in this conversation, Mikran. And, and Simmer, if I may add to you mentioned mm-hmm. about design thinking, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate uh, that, uh, you know, I've been uh, working at Accenture. Fjord uh, Studio, which is one of the companies we acquired, they pioneered oh, wow. design thinking. And, uh, Interesting. We have actually embedded design thinking into everything we do as we deliver the client value. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want to make sure that all, you talk about people development. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the skills we impart to our teams. So, the teams are developing and, and growing. And I think the other thing I would say is, uh, you know, you touched upon that earlier, like how do you create that culture where innovation thrives? I think mm-hmm. the world is changing. And let me address right. that, how that is. Changing. Mm-hmm. 
please, please. When I look at the Gen Z and uh, to even a certain extent, uh, you know, younger millennials, mm-hmm. they're not afraid to break the glass. They are, they are very bold. Mm-hmm. They are yearning for intellectual stimulating work and they refuse right. to just take orders. I'm sure you're seeing that too. Mm-hmm. They want to be... Second, people care about sustainability and the social impact. That is Did so you. important to uh, this, the, the workforce. Right. And I think the third and which is the most important, which is another thing that I would say we as a center are really big at, which is inclusion and diversity. Mm-hmm. Gone are the days when you would have an all-male board or a team without any ethnic diversity that closely resembles the fabric of our societies. Right. Now it is so important. Now, if we put those three things into the fabric of our culture, mm-hmm. where we are allowing people to be creative, to break glass, to be bold, we mm-hmm. are allowing uh, them to have a social impact and we are allowing them to have a very inclusive and diverse teams as leaders. Now suddenly we have set ourselves up for, for success. So I right. talked about what leaders need to do and I talked about what leaders need to empower people to do so it all comes together in a successful model. It, it does indeed, and especially if there are qualities in place like vision that and courage and detachment to some extent. What, what you're talking about uh, is uh, what has been written in the Indian scriptures thousands of years ago. That's what the Bhagavad Gita talks about when, we, when it speaks of detachment. Do not be uh, too attached to what you see around uh, yourself today, what you call reality. And I think a, this is a mistake a lot of leaders do is that they embrace and fall in love with the status quo to the extent that they're so very afraid of letting it go. Um, so thank you for bringing that up. Now, uh, the next thing I want to talk about is you've risen to the top of the high-tech industry in North America and in the work that you're doing at the moment. Um, And something interesting, I must tell the viewers here, uh, you were my senior one year in school in um, Batala, Apna Zila Gurdaspur. (laughs) 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 Although although we did not get to spend a lot of time together because I was only there in that school for one year. Somehow my parents wanted to make sure I studied in every single school of the city. I got a flavor of it. So we did not actually get a lot of time to spend together. But your career trajectory, Vikrant, is phenomenal and inspiring. And I'm sure a lot of youngsters listening to this conversation right now are going to be deeply inspired. Talk to us about your career journey, please. And also, what are your rules for long-term career success? Uh, Absolutely, Simmer. And uh, here is another uh, fact that you may even not know. Uh, I was uh, born in your grandmother's hospital and your grandmother... Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, So I think uh, before I go into my success journey, let me share a little bit, uh, a few personal things. Uh, I've actually not been very open about it uh, Mm -hmm. previously, but I think considering the times uh, we're going through, uh, I want to be open uh, and and share this. You know, first of all, uh, I was born very premature. I was very weak and I was uh, born out of a very high risk risk pregnancy for my mother. Mm -hmm. And... I can almost say that, uh, you know, my mother uh, instilled this fighter spirit in me before I was even born. She was determined to make me strong. She was determined to make something out of me. Uh, halla sheri, sheer bana That's the old sheer song. Bana, in Punjab. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> sheer nahi, sheer bana You're yeah. absolutely right. Uh, you know, so when I was uh, younger, my parents got separated and my mother, uh, you know, raised me in this small town, Batala, you know, by herself. And uh, that gave me a resolve that failure was not an option. I did not any, want anyone to say that my mother did a poor job in raising me just because yeah. she had to do it all on her own. And times were very different now. I know these days uh, it is more common and uh, women are stronger and mm-hmm. my mom is very strong and I give her commendation, whatever I am, I am because of her. So starting with that, I would say hard work, perseverance and persistence 
they gave me the fuel to get me where I am today. Uh, mm -hmm. I was very fortunate to be part of, uh, you know, work for leaders who groomed me, who coached me, mentored me, and made sure that uh, my career is uh, where it is today. You know, today uh, I lead high-tech strategy practice in North America. You know, I've been with Accenture more than 14 years. I've reinvented wow. myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, I continue to work with clients uh, who uh, value my advice. And in turn, I'm actually learning from them. Uh, at a personal front, uh, you know, uh, I've been married for 18 years. My anniversary is coming up here in a, in a couple of weeks. Uh, mm -hmm. I have two handsome boys, 16 and 11. Uh, you talked about my running and all that. And some mm -hmm. of these things that mm -hmm. I have tried to explore, like, you know, I was not a runner, you know, growing up, I right. was not a runner. College, I was not a runner. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, I realized that that was something that gave me peace and happiness and that gave me focus. Mm -hmm. So you talk about reason for how, do, how am I successful? Right. So, so it's only been a few I years explored. that you took up this passion for running. All right. Exactly. And but that gave me so much better focus because when I mm -hmm. run, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, you know, when I run in the morning, I'm already planning my day ahead. What's wow. going to happen? I'm listening mm -hmm. to music. I'm focused. And, you know, when I get back my home and I run, I run outside, uh, whether it's cold or hot, uh, you know, I've run in nine, negative 19 degrees Celsius temperature. I run when it's hot. But that wow. gives me the focus. So I think that focus is very important in our life if you want to get somewhere. Uh, having a strong, firm resolve, what you want to do. And I think what also comes in is that I believe in setting short-term goals. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I've run half marathons, uh, I've never run a full marathon. You know, to run half marathon, which is 13.1 uh, miles, you know, you run one mile at a time. It's like, okay, one mile done, another one done, another one done. And before you know it, you're done. If you kind of say, man, I have to run 13.1 miles, that's a lot mm -hmm. of distance. Yeah, yeah it becomes overwhelming, high, right. It becomes very overwhelming. So I encourage youngsters uh, who are starting their career to set those goals where they can achieve those goals. They are agile in those goals, and then they are growing as they in, through those goals. And you know they're tweaking. The I think also other thing which is important is that uh, you have to take pause and you have to celebrate small successes. Right. I, I so believe in that. Yeah, many times what happens is similar. We get so caught up that chasing a goal that we miss some aspects of our personal life, whether it's family, friends, mm -hmm. uh, our own health. Mm -hmm. These things can coexist. Like, you know, we say in the US, uh, you can walk and chew gum. You can have a successful professional career and also have a very successful personal life. You know, uh, one of my mentors says, be the best at whatever you are. If you're a father, be the best father that's out there. If you're a husband, be the best husband that's out there. If you're a boss, be the best boss out there. So those are some of the things I have uh, found to be very helpful in my career that has uh, helped me get to where I am. The very long-winded so answer to, to your question, hopefully I address what you... Uh, no, no, you bet. Thank you. I thank you for being open uh, and sharing um, your journey with us. Um, more, I'm interested in the role of that you just mentioned that your mentor taught you certain things, certain principles about life. I'm interested in knowing what role the mentors might have played on this journey, uh, how are you giving it back, um, and also... Uh, how can young people find mentors and how mid-level career professionals can mentor other people? You know, a lot of organizations talk about this. They have it in their vision, mission statement, you know, mentorship is a part of a culture. Uh, but what enables it and uh, what stops it? What inhibits it? Yeah, I think uh, first of all, the first rule is uh, many times people are just afraid to ask someone to be a mentor. Mm. Uh, I learned very early on in my career uh, when I started my engineering 
that I need to be bold and ask someone to be my mentor and I need to have multiple mentors. And I encourage everyone to have multiple mentors. Mm -hmm. And on the same token, I also mentor multiple people because, uh, you know, it's just like you said, uh, in, in giving back. Mentors have played a very good uh, key role in my career. You know, what I call, I have a board of directors, just like an organization has a board of directors. I have my personal board of directors. You have a personal board I, of directors. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> yes. Right. And I always know at any given time that if I have a situation in my career, who are those board of directors and how, when do I reach out to them? Right. And I ask them to guide me, shepherd me through that decision making. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, don't wait for a critical moment in your career to have a mentor. Have a mentor that you build and develop the relationship. Most of my mentors I've had long-term relationship over the last several years. That does not mean I don't pick up new mentors. I pick up new mentors, but I maintain and nurture and invest in the relationships that I have had. And similarly, people that I mentor, uh, same thing. I encourage them to do the same. I encourage them to make sure that uh, they stay in touch and not just kind of come when they have a question, rather stay in touch so we can help each other out. Right. Yeah, sometimes it's just a conversation, just a casual conversation about what's going on that can really uplift your mood. And that's not an actual exchange of knowledge or information there. That's just um, maybe psychological safety, maybe human connection, maybe all these things that we value a lot. But I think uh, largely due to technology and how busy our lives are, we're missing out on those things, you know. Um, uh, especially in the Indian context. I, I was speaking to this gentleman the other day and we spoke about how mentorship, so-called uh, this concept of mentorship was an integral part of our culture in the sense of sitting in, in villages, people used to gather together under the people uh, tree and you know they used to chat and the elders used to be there giving their nuggets of uh, proverbial wisdom passed down through stories and through other things, generation to generation. And now since the um, demographics have changed, and you know we're moving moving more towards an urban landscape uh, that thing has suddenly disappeared right and there is a huge vacuum which I believe mentorship can fill in so thank you for your input on that that young people should uh, should not be afraid to seek out mentors I'm reminded of a Steve Jobs story here Vikrant I think um, he he narrated this in a video where he said when he was 12 or 14 he picked up the phone and um, called from the directory found the number of <coughs> Bill Hewitt who was the founder owner of Hewlett Packard back, back then and he, he needed something and also he wanted an internship for the summer and he got both the things. He got both the things. He got an internship plus the part that he was looking for. So a lot of people are afraid to ask and I think the number one takeaway from your input here is don't be afraid to ask and number two, build long-term relationships. Don't just pick up the phone and call when, when you're in trouble. Um, take out the time to nurture that relationship. So thank you for that. Uh, I want to pick your brain on a number of different issues because you're adding so much value here. Thank you, Vikrant. The, the next thing is, um, as you already mentioned about the changing landscape of work, uh, about the impact of how machines might take over jobs which are dull, boring, repetitive or dangerous and human beings would be freed to do things that we do best. What is the top career advice you might in terms of uh, preparing, future-proofing yourself, preparing for the future? What are things youngsters should be working on today, which is perhaps not there in their curriculums? And uh, what, what should they work upon today to ensure that when they enter the workforce, they're off for a flying start? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, the example I would uh, start off with is that, uh, you know, an athlete, before uh, they go into a competition, they practice. Mm -hmm. they, 
and they do their warm-ups, they do their stretches, uh, and then the competition starts, they are ready. So my advice is, uh, first and foremost, is uh, be willing to unlearn what you know and be willing to learn new things. So in other words, be willing to reinvent yourself every two, three years. Do a checkpoint with yourself. Have your board of directors, have your mentors, and do a check-in every three years and say, I think that's worth repeating. I have today. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's worth repeating. I think that's worth repeating. Uh, You said, be prepared to unlearn what you know. And the second part was? Do a check-in every three years that the skills you have, are they going to take you in the next, uh, you know, relevant for next three years and learn the new skills Mm -hmm. that are there? Because Mm -hmm. technology is evolving so fast. Things that are here today in two or three years, they could be gone. So always have the pulse on the market. Read, you know, as the more you read, the more informed you would be what's happening in the market and use that as an informative index to get what the skills you want to do. If you are already in the workforce, talk to your supervisor what you want to do. Most companies have those plans where, you know, you are setting out two, three year plan for your employees on what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Be proactive in that. This is what I want to do. I want to get to this level. These are the skills I want to do. This is the curriculum I want to enroll in. And I think that will help you be ready for uh, your competition, which is always like changing, right? There is not never one competition. You know, most athletes, they participate in multiple competition. True, true. And I think that's what I would say is most important uh, for youngsters uh, that they need to continue to have that pulse and then bring that pulse uh, into their, their, you know, uh, let me give you my personal example. Mm -hmm. When I started my career, uh, I was a supply chain professional. Okay. Uh, eight years ago or so, one of my mentors, uh, she said, Vikrant, I'm going to challenge you. You need to reinvent yourself into a broader industry strategist. Okay. You have the capabilities, but why you are focused in just one function? Hmm. And she gave me the guardrails. She gave me some other mentors who I could talk to and see what skills I needed to pick up in order to have my vision be broadened, whether it's around finance, whether it's around digital, whether it is around human resources, talent and organization. And from that, my journey started where I started to do new things every few years. So, you know, just two, three years ago, uh, I was very focused on blockchain. Uh, most recently, uh, you know, I've uh, done some work in digital transformation. I'm starting to get some work in sustainability. That's where my clients are headed. So Mm -hmm. I'm learning myself. So Mm -hmm. learning never stops, you know, never say that I know everything and I don't need to learn more. That's why I said in the beginning, you need to be willing to unlearn what you know and relearn what's out there and have the pulse on the market. You know, that's so powerful because um, it resonates with me in the sense that two two things I'd like to dwell on. Number one is this unlearning part. Uh, a lot of people fall in love with uh, their accomplishments and their previous successes and where they are in life and they think that's it and they don't want to let go of it or they don't they would run away from every challenge there is what Carol Dweck calls the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset so uh, after success brings in the fixed mindset you say okay now I've achieved this I'm here now this is my territory and I'm, I'm the master so nobody come challenge it uh, right so no and the moment any challenge arises I'm going to run away I'm going to ignore it it. I'm, I'm going to make sure I do everything within my power to make sure that challenge does not 
threatened me. Now, but here's the thing. We do not grow, as you rightly said, until we detach from that and unlearn it and start again as a beginner. I think uh, I speak from experience here about this whole keynote speaking business. You know, 2020, Feb 2020 was the last live event that I did, Vikrant. And my whole life changed. Uh, 12 years before this, there's only one model I knew, which is I pick up my bags, I go to a client location, I walk into a large conference room, I have my presentation ready, we have fun with people, we sing, we dance, we jump, uh, we talk, we speak, people talk to each other, there's high fives, there's so many other things. There's actual physical contact, there's human connection, there's psychological connection, and so many other things. And then enter this new age of the whole virtual game, wherein um, I had to unlearn all of that and start again as a beginner. And I always I say to all my relatives and friends, I say it was 2007 for me all over again. Because 2007 is when I started my journey. Um, so now learning about cameras and lighting and acoustics and so many other things and working on small details to make sure you have eye contact with the audience when you're speaking um, to uh, streaming softwares and so many other things. It's been a steep learning curve, but it would not have been possible if I was not able to unlearn. So I deeply connect to that. The second part what I love about what you said is um, be your own learning and development department right don't don't depend upon some external force I love your concept of having your board of directors I love your concept of uh, you know pause every now and then and figure out where you are where you want to go so it's you're looking at yourself as an entity as an organization not just some not just an employee but also as a entity who's offering his or her service to the world at this point of time so you need to do that thing with yourself too that's so very powerful thank you for sharing that with and us. So let me add a third thing Please. never be complacent Never be complacent because when you become complacent, uh, you know, you are going to lose the game. I mean, we have, you know, companies that were at the top of the world, you know, they are no longer there. Someone came in and took over their business and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they couldn't uh, respond. Similarly, in our personal lives as well, we got to always strive to do the best that is out there and not become complacent. Mm -hmm. No, thank you. That's rightly said. Uh, Now... I want to know, we've talked about transformation, unlearning, career growth. I, and this is what you do for a living in terms of you've worked with 300 top level executives, helping them transform their businesses, direct bottom line impact. In fact, that is what Accenture excels in. Do you come across common traits, Vikrant, where, you know, when, when you meet a C-level executive or you meet an individual or you walk into a company, you sense the culture, do, do you encounter common traits where you feel, aha, here's going to be a successful transformation or here there are a lot of bottlenecks? Do you sense that? And if yes, could you like sort of um, list them out for us? Where do you feel leaders excel at transforming? What are the so- what factors, what things do leaders who excel at transforming and growing, what, what factors do they exhibit and what are the others? who fail to transform, what what um, personality traits do they exhibit? Yeah, so I think uh, early on I talked about the qualities of the leader. Now let me talk a little bit of, uh, you know, how leaders uh, act and how dif- that differentiates them from successful, from non-successful ones. Or transformational leaders, so, right, right. Transformational mm-hmm. leaders. So they mm-hmm. transformational leaders always lead from the heart. Okay. You know, in the when there is a crisis, the hardest thing can be dealing with the fine points and if the leaders are leading from heart and they are authentic, sincere, empathetic, compassionate, they will be good leaders. And when I see leaders like that, uh, and I've had the fortune of working with some of those leaders uh, in my career, especially in the last one or one year or so, uh, more so, uh, then I see that they are, this company is going to be good. Leaders who put their mission first, those leaders are successful mm-hmm. because they are able to 
triage the situation. They are able to stabilize the organization to meet the crisis. Leaders that aim for speed over elegance, they, those leaders can drive successful transformations wow. because they take decisive decision with courage. Even if the information is imperfect, that is okay. Knowing that expediency is essential. With a leaders sense of urgency. Who own the mm -hmm. narrative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, the sense of urgency I was talking about. The sense of urgency, sense of urgency the, the bias for execution, the move, moving towards action, right? Bias towards action, exactly. You know, mm -hmm. leaders that own the narrative, they seize the narrative at the outset. They're transparent about the current realities. So they don't mm -hmm. ignore the current reality we are in, yet they paint the vision and the narrative that everyone can be rallied around and it can inspire those leaders that are very successful. And I think the most important one is having a resilient and long-term view of the situation. Like you said in the beginning, you know, the it's darkest before the dawn. Mm -hmm. uh, situation is going to change. No two days are the same. So right. having that long-term view and making sure that people understand that as well uh, in the organization, rallying them around that long-term view is important. So I feel that leaders who exhibit those traits uh, always drive successful transformation. Mm -hmm. I think there is a factor that is underpinning all this, which is around change management okay. uh, and communication True. and transparency and being very crystal clear about the vision and mission of the organization. It's super important for a successful organization. I will give you so people so people know what's going on so people know what's really going on exactly. right mm -hmm. people know exactly what's going on uh, you know i will give you an example of our own ceo julie sweet uh, who i am a big fan of she's a great mm -hmm. leader you know ever since she has taken over the ceo she has ensured all her leaders all her managing directors they understand what we need to do as a company to stay relevant to our clients and to the societies to our communities we are in Okay. So okay. relevance to our clients and our communities. That's mm -hmm. been the vision she has rallied everyone around. Now, by doing that, she has ensured that everyone in the company, we have 540,000 employees. All mm -hmm. of us are headed in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Because doing it any other way would be highly improbable for large companies. Right, because that, that, that's a moment when everybody begins to start off sort of rowing in their own direction and, you know, pulling against each yeah. other at times. And somebody needs to come in, as you said, with that narrative, with that story, with that vision, bold, empowering, engaging, inspiring vision for the future, which makes sense to everybody at a practical day to day level. How do what I what I'm, I'm doing on a day to day basis, how does that connect with the big picture? I, I believe people often need to see this when they don't see how their day to day work connects with the big picture of the organization. That's when disengagement begins to kick in. So I think what you said is really important, owning the narrative uh, so as to weave in where the vision wants to take this group to, uh, where the leader wants to take this group towards and everybody knows so that they are working towards it in, uh, in that same direction. Did you want to add something um, to, to that? Um, leaders no, who, think, who uh, are able know, to transform uh, you know, and those who don't? That That's correct. I mean, those uh, leaders who uh, exhibit those uh, traits uh, absolutely are driving transformation of their organization. And, uh, you know, those who are not, uh, you know, definitely, you know, you see uh, they're a little slow to uh, to adapt. What, what common factors do you see in cultures or leaders who are slow to adapt, um, uh, you know, the resistance to change, where, where does it stem from? Where Where is it coming from and how do you tackle it? Yeah, I think uh, what I have observed is that sometimes uh, uh, leaders, uh, and I'm not talking about the at the C level, I'm talking about like, you know, as you cascade down in the organization, mm -hmm. 
sometimes uh, leaders get in their own way. They don't empower their people. Uh, they don't talk. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Mm-hmm. And uh, showing people, uh, you know, through their actions is uh, is important. When leaders don't do that, it's uh, very visible that there is a concept of fail fast uh, that is permeated through the organization. But you know, when people fail, um, they are not given the opportunity to do the, it to try it again. They, they, they are punished. Are, you know, they're they're punished then, right? So the psychological safety is not there. So, uh, I read this article. I read this article about uh, innovation at Google, and the number one factor that they find out in their research was psychological safety. If I fail now, my my company is asking me to fail. My vision mission statement, you know, there's posters everywhere, there's slogans everywhere. Fail forward, fail fast, etc., etc. But if I fail. I know I'm in a dangerous spot. I might lose lose my job. I'll be held accountable, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So if that psychological safety is missing, this becomes just another saying on the wall. You know, just another hollow, meaningless yeah. statement which is written and spoken about but is not practiced. So I'm glad you mentioned that the lack of psychological safety, the lack of empowerment, the lack of engagement, um, those are the factors. So I hope everybody who's tuning in to this conversation right now, you can pause and self-reflect. Um, are you open to change or not? Because change, um, you know, we've just, uh, it's always said we're, we're living in a VUCA world now more than ever before, volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous. And with COVID-19 um, kicking in, you know, the world underwent through a huge change. Businesses suffered le- left, right and center. Many closed down. Many were not able to recover. Vikrant, you lead a large um, team yourself, and um, how have you been able to um, engage and inspire and you know pull these people together during these very difficult times of work from home and Zoom fatigue and so many other things? Yeah, I think uh, there are uh, a couple of things that I've done. Uh, first of all, uh, rallying the team uh, against a common vision that we have uh, that has been very helpful. Uh, making sure that when I engage with my team, uh, I engage with them with uh, you know empathy. I engage with them at a personal level, and make sure I understand the situation they are in, rather than just like uh, be tone deaf to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that emotional intelligence aspect uh, has come in. Uh, the second thing is uh, mental and physical wellness is very important, uh, mm-hmm. and mental wellness is more so on the top of uh, most of the. Uh, CXOs today than it had ever was before the pandemic right, hit. Right. So acknowledging that we are all fighting our own battles and we are all in different stressful situations and allowing people to de-stress. So to give you an example, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I've been running for the last few years, but when I started, uh, you know, last year to kind of uh, during the pandemic get my runs, I would set a target that I'm going to go run before the sunrise and go by the lake and capture the sunrise. And I would come back and I'll share that picture with uh, my team. Say, oh, wow. this is what I did. Mm-hmm. And then I will encourage them to share what they did that, that morning that motivated them. Mm-hmm. And that suddenly get people, you know, going and that rallies people around that. Yes, here is something I look forward to. So kind right. of showing through uh, that, that, that leadership, my own personal stories. And then also the mental wellness, uh, you know, that is an issue that is stress, uh, you know, in our personal lives, uh, as well as the work lives, because of this, you know, the boundaries are blurred between the work and, uh, you know, home, Mm -hmm. you know, you roll out of bed, and you're in the office, and uh, you roll (laughs) back into the bed, and you're home. Mm. And making sure that you set some boundaries, Mm -hmm. uh, encouraging team members to set those boundaries, whether it is to take time off for personal wellness, whether it is to take, uh, you know, 
block your calendar to have dinner with the family mm-hmm. uh, like me personally uh, we started a few things as a family we said we're going to pray together every evening after dinner nice. uh, we're going to have dinner together and then we're going to pray together mm. and that creates a bond and sharing those examples with the team that th- this is how i am managing my balance of my personal and physical wellness that's how i've motivated my team and when you share that when you're open when you're vulnerable to your team people understand that we are all fighting the same challenges right and right. then they can recognize and realize that the situation they are in as well and then respond when you uh, rally them against a common vision mm-hmm. and and all it takes is empathy all it takes is creativity as you said the idea that you came up with uh, did not cost a lot of money did not involve any additional resources it was just creative thinking on your part as a leader say hey what can i do to engage these people to connect them with each other so that um they they feel they get this feeling that they're not alone during this very challenging time and i love the concept of the family uh, praying together they say the family that prays together stays together um and that's a wonderful metaphor so i think it, it, in 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 essence this i like the part about um the boundaries because uh, as you rightly said they've blurred um it was trending on linkedin sometime back this whole concept of the fake commute uh so people who desperately complained about their commutes earlier suddenly now started missing their work commute because it disconnected them with the household they would get their coffee or be in the metro or do something get to work and you know that they although they were complaining about it earlier that was the number one sore point for many people earlier but now suddenly they miss it because that disconnection from the home environment into the workplace was not happening anymore so i think one profound lesson there for every single one of us value what you have please so if you are at home right now and it's the work from home scenario and i know the boundaries are blurred and it gets difficult and test your patience and so many other things happening and you know you're busy on a very important conference call and somebody's shouting or yelling or doing the dishes or whatever but value this time because tomorrow when things get back to normal you probably might miss this the most and you might do fake work from home scenarios just like people are doing fake commutes right now so uh, <laughs> human beings we, we don't value what we have at the moment we always long and yearn for you know something other than what is present at the moment so thanks for sharing your personal experiences uh, there vikram and simar here's another thing that has come out in the in the pandemic uh, the humane side of uh, of the work you know right Uh, you know a year ago uh, like, let's say 18 months ago if uh, you were on a call and someone's child walked in into, into the frame uh, mm. people will raise eyebrows uh, today it is very accepted to right. acceptable to have a child or a spouse or a pet uh, walk right. into, into the frame because that's yeah. the boundaries have blurred and i well you're at home right we, we are home exactly but as we mm. emerge back from this pandemic i think that humane side is what i personally believe is going to stay that should stay going yeah, to be yeah. more accepting right. uh, of each other's uh, situations and uh, you know and i think that would be probably one uh, positive thing coming out of this huge that, yes that uh, people will acknowledge I I completely I completely agree with that because now leaders will start looking at their employees not just as these smartly dressed bodies that walk into the workplace every day but also people who have families who have issues who have dishes to do got rents to pay and so many the whole picture you see now 
the whole picture uh, and i hope that stays with leaders and decision makers because that will bring in so much more empathy into decision making and how we work across the world it's been an interesting conversation here vikrant i thank you so very much for sparing so much of your valuable time we talked about multiple things about leadership about empathy about change and transformation and i'm sure it's been a great value add to every anybody who's listening right now in parting um a large chunk of our audience uh, especially on youtube is from the indian subcontinent and they are in the age bracket of 18 to 24 young ambitious bright hard working intelligent kids from across the indian subcontinent that's india pakistan sri lanka bangladesh nepal um and uh, so these are people who are aspiring to do something in their lives and they're working very hard towards it uh, but some sometimes they all that they miss is the right direction the right inputs what would you like to say to this audience from your own personal experience to these young eager group of uh, folks yeah i would say that uh, be patient mm. uh, career is a marathon it's not a sprint Uh, I used to be impatient uh, when I was younger. I still am uh, impatient, but I'm trying to learn. <laughs> and uh, you know, so uh, finding finding the right balance is perhaps uh, is that yeah. what you're talking? The finding the right balance between patience finding and finding the right balance. Mm. Finding the right balance because uh, you know you have to uh, the right to be ambitious. You have to be bold. You have to break glass. But understand if things are not happening uh, at the pace you want them to happen, don't get frustrated. Right. you know understand that uh, you know to turn a ship it takes a time it uh, takes much longer than to just turn a car or a motorcycle indeed, so indeed. be prepared for that uh, you know i also say that uh, you know learn a lot some of the youngsters are going to join organizations here uh, soon those who are in college decide what you want to do you yeah. know pick a field you know take a look at the organizations that you want to be part of learn right. everything about those organization have an informed perspective you know if these op- companies are actually selling a product be informed about the product what that product is think about how you can be make the difference when you uh, go on the on the other side mm-hmm. and i would say that uh, you know when you join the organization be open to learn uh, as i said before um, be open to unlearn what you have mm-hmm. learned mm-hmm. Uh, be bold share your views uh, speak up uh and uh, have fun um along the way uh don't get so set on uh, the goals that uh, you start you put your blinders on and you miss the beautiful scenery that is around enjoy on the way as well everything needs to happen at the same time personal development as well as professional development so couple of lines in urdu before we say goodbye ki zindagi ki asli udaan abhi baki hai जिंदगी की असली उड़ान अभी बाकी है जिंदगी के कई और इम्तिहान अभी बाकी हैं अभी तो नापी है मुट्ठी भर जमी हमने आगे सारा आसमान अभी बाकी है आगे सारा आसमान अभी बाकी है दिस इज वॉट इमर्ज टू माई माइंड आफ्टर लिसनिंग टू योर पावरफुल स्टोरी विक्रांत आई आई फील दैट सेंस ऑफ दैट बैलेंस बिटवीन पेशेंट एंड इम्पेशंस इज स्टिल देयर विद द स्पाकल इन योर आईज एंड यूर एज यू टॉक अबाउट योर फ्यूचर आई कैन सेंस इड एंड थैंक यू सो वेरी मच वंस अगेन फॉर टेकिंग आउट द टाइम टू स्पीक टू अस ऑन दिस वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट सब्जेक्ट आई विश यू ऑल द बेस्ट फॉर एवरीथिंग दैट लाइज अ हेड ऑफ यू थैंक यू Simmer thank you so much for having me and if i may uh, say something as well Please. you know my personal ethos is uh, hard work loyalty and commitment mm-hmm. and uh, my favorite line uh, by robert frost is uh, the woods are lovely dark and deep but i have promises to keep and miles to go miles. before i sleep
and miles to go before I sleep. Wow, you said exactly two poets, uh, perhaps uh, cultures apart, centuries apart, um, said about exactly the same thing in two different languages. It's been a wonderful conversation here today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye bye.